Wait, oh my god, I'm not prepared. Wait. Okay, we'll start over. Okay. <laughs> ew, ew. Okay, okay no, I'm not also, okay. Hey, it's Lucy. And Ruby. And welcome or welcome back to We the Teens. For today's episode, we wanted to talk about school since a lot of us are going back in person, um, Lucy included. I have not yet gone back in person, but we wanted to talk about school post-COVID and kind of just our thoughts about the school system and our school experiences in general. Yeah, it's also important to note that I am going to a predominantly white private school and Ruby is going to a public school in a more diverse area. And we wanted to share both of our experiences because they are very different environments. Yeah, so we definitely have some really unique experiences and some cool comparisons. So we hope that you guys will like, I don't know, kind of gain some insight on what it's like being in both these different environments um we wanted to touch on some announcements before we get started the first one is there is a glitch on our spotify account because we recently switched platforms that we were using so make sure to check the link in our bio for the correct spotify link because the incorrect one sometimes shows up on spotify so just check the link in our bio for the correct one yeah and if you want to stay up to date and get like notifications whenever we post make sure to follow the podcast so that you can kind of keep our episodes in the loop the other announcement is that we are both remote right now we're recording from our homes through the interweb so please just um note that and be mindful that you know we don't have the best setup currently but we are working on finding better equipment, better mics, and a better system for how we record. But yeah, we hope you guys enjoy this episode. We're really excited to talk about this. Yeah, so let's just get right into it, shall we? We met at SGS, which is an all-girls school in our city, and it's actually located in a pretty diverse area, but it is a private school, so the people that were attending were predominantly white and wealthy. It's also important to mention that Definitely that area of Seattle is being gentrified heavily and yes. has been mm-hmm. gentrified heavily. So um, that's also that's also something to note. Oh, I was um, just saying we can see the gentrification like every single time I go back there. Like there is a new apartment complex. There's new buildings like and they're all the modern ones that personally yeah. don't have any flavor <laughs> like yeah i don't know who's designing this yeah so we met at private school that's like where our origin story as friends began before we had met at private school i was going to my local public school in rainer beach which is very diverse and very underfunded as a school and lucy where were you going to school yeah so for my elementary school i was just going to the public school near my house and in my neighborhood and i do live in a pretty white pretty privileged wealthy-ish area so we were funded and most of the students there were white and yeah so ruby and i have pretty much like opposite experiences but we ended up meeting in the same area by chance wow it was yeah yeah so it i think that's always been it hasn't been a barrier in our relationship i don't think but it's always been something that has come up in conversation and so after i went to sgs i only stayed there for a year and then i went back to my public school um in rainier beach yeah so i stayed at um sgs uh till eighth grade and it wasn't the best you know three years of my life i'm gonna be honest um Mm -hmm. but i really did miss ruby because she was like one of the only other students of color and she was like also one of the only asian students of color and Mm -hmm. i like really i really missed you okay (laughs) 
I know. You left I know. me. I really don't blame you. Like, you didn't miss much. I'm glad you left, honestly. Like, it was kind of shitty. It was really shitty. I mean, I've, I've heard the stories. <laughs> I've heard the stories. But anyways. Um, it was definitely a challenging transition and a challenging choice to go back to private or to go back to public school after being at the private school for a year. And I think that that's where like my weird relationship with school and just like, yeah, school in general started because it's like I've been going to this public school my whole life. I actually went to a K through eight. So I'd literally been there since kindergarten and I was like, yay, I'm about to go to eighth grade there too. And then, yeah, I got switched into a private school, which was drastically different. I mean, I definitely was going through culture shock and also just like class shock because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that's also just a, a thing that was really interesting to me. It was like, I just, it was completely different and everyone there was just on a different sort of wavelength uh yeah so that's where that's where it started that's where we met um it was fate yeah it was definitely a culture culture shock and also just being around people who had more money than me and had a completely different experience than me was also very interesting and it was definitely a barrier in a lot of my relationships with people at that school because um they just didn't really understand my experience and yeah honestly like sometimes I didn't understand theirs and the that was like sometimes a clash in relationships and don't get me wrong some people were super loving and nice and um you know prime example is Lucy like we never really had a problem with that but I would say just on a personal level like personally like being around those kind of people and and not to say at all that that entire community as a whole is bad but there are definitely some ignorant white people which is our next topic ignorant white people oh that was so off wait ignorant white people uh ruby and i definitely both experienced this at the private school and I still experience mm-hmm. this to this day because, again, I am going to a predominantly white private school, but we can get into that later. Okay, so in my elementary school, I was already trying to fit in with the white kids. I would, I literally changed my whole entire closet and my fashion and my attitude to fit into them. Yeah, it was awful, and um, it was not me. And so in middle school, when I went to another school with predominantly white people... I still had that same changing my whole wardrobe and this time it was transitioning from a really like tomboy wardrobe to a really girly wardrobe with like Brandy Melville and Lululemon and Aviva. Mm. You remember that brand? You're talking about like these brands and this almost sort of like lifestyle around fitting Mm -hmm, in with white people mm -hmm. and I think that's such a strong thing to mention is that I definitely, when I went to uh, SGS, there was this whole, like, culture around what were the correct brands to buy from? What were the cool things to wear? What was the, what made you look rich? Or what made you, you know, like, I just remember going to that school and every single weekend people would be like, oh yeah, we went to U Village. U Village is like the whitest, richest, like, that's where everyone went. It's so expensive. And and you're talking about like Brandy yeah. Melville and Aviva. I remember that. And everyone wanted those brands. Everyone wanted to like have that uh-huh. fashion. And that in itself was like, I think one of the main things that made me feel like, oh, I have to fit into this almost like white culture and like elitist, like rich culture. I'm curious to th- to hear what you think about that, given that you're a little more like you're closer to that community and you're closer to that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Literally. Yeah. You know what kind of sucks, though, is that we've been friends for, like, forever. I mean, obviously, that's an exaggeration. We, I, we've been friends for a really long time, and my privileged ass has not thought about what it was like in your shoes at SGS. Because while I am able to, like, I shop at U-Village. I'm one of those bitches who shop mm-hmm. at U-Village. I literally live 10 minutes away from U-Village. Even though I would try to fit in, like, I was able to go to U-Village, and I was able to, like go to Lululemon and my poor mom would spend $98 on freaking leggings 
mm-hmm. because because for me because I wanted to fit in and stuff but then mm-hmm. like in your shoes like that must have really really sucked because you definitely felt that more because like you're coming from this really diverse area that doesn't have a lot of white people and then you're coming into the middle school that does and that just I don't know that would just really must have sucked because I'm my whole life I was so used to white people my whole family's white my neighborhood's white my elementary school my preschool my middle school and now my high school is predominantly white like I I was surrounded and like you mm-hmm. like the culture shock and the class shock Ugh, okay yeah. well yeah <laughs> let me let me touch on that because I think that I wasn't even realizing like, oh, this is like super weird for me. Like I didn't even realize it. And honestly, like even though I come from different a different class background, I am still privileged, right? Like my parents mm-hmm, both have yeah. really good jobs. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, we don't we're not like the richest of the rich, I do still have more privilege than other people, and I think that's something mm-hmm. I have to remember. But to be honest, being in that space, being in that But the amount of privilege that those people had. Mm. Exactly. And being in that community, you're so right. It's like, it's just a lot of weirdness. And I think that I don't, tr- I'm not trying to pity myself and be like, oh, like I had to spend so much. Because honestly, most of my life, I've never really given a shit about like what I wore or right, what people thought. And and I'm grateful for that side of myself. But I, I do think, and I definitely felt that. I felt that pressure of like, oh, this is what is acceptable here. And this is what's normal here. And I don't, right. and like you said, I don't think that was very conscious of people coming into that community who didn't have the ability to participate in that and and that you know and obviously they're not forcing you like they're not like oh if you don't wear lululemon you're like bad obviously it wasn't like that but it definitely has (laughs) this like exclusivity to it where it's like if you don't have that for sure for sure you almost in your inner thought don't connect and don't relate and don't feel connected to that space for example, if we were all shopping together and all the white girls or, like, the people who are wealthier wearing all were Lululemon, Air Force Ones, Brandy Melville tops, and then, like, someone was wearing uh, leggings from, like, Walmart or something, like, you would feel really shitty. And I feel like that just sucks. Like, I don't like that that was the community and environment that we were in. Because mm-hmm. no one should feel like that. But that was yeah. obviously apparent. And honestly like I don't really think that anyone can be blamed for that because and especially not you who are who is like this you're the sweetest person I know but like from a from an outside standpoint it definitely it feels exclusive I have to say that's definitely one of the reasons why I left the school is because you step into it and you immediately see this energy and of course not everyone at that school was the same but there's also just almost this like this language and this culture around that where it's like even just the fact that that you're saying that you live in this area or the fact that you're saying you have this specific house or that you have two houses or that you have this car or that your parents don't have to work all the freaking time. They can pick you up from school. They can make you snacks. They can drive you to dance practice. Like, even almost, like, the language in that school, even that is, is, is a whole thing in itself. Something that if you're not from that community and, and if you don't um, have that same ability, it feels really jaunting. And again, it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they were born into money and have privilege. It's just the fact that, like, from from someone who doesn't come from that and who doesn't have that ability, it's super weird and sometimes really sad. And I, I think, like, obviously it's not their fault that they were born into money. But what is a super annoying is just how privileged they sound and they don't even mm. realize it. Yeah. Like Ruby was saying about the lifestyle and the way they talk. 
at my high school, I hear like, oh, my mom didn't put like 200 on my card. So I can't buy those shoes from you village mm-hmm. or like, oh, I literally like I have to take my mom's car instead of my own because it's at the shop or something like mm-hmm. that is and they don't even realize how like privileged that sounds. And like I'm in the air, like I'm in that environment twenty four seven, and like even I realize that that is just really, really privileged. Mm-hmm. And at SGS, I know the language, and I pro- I probably contributed it to it. I'm just yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and I I I think that what is evident and just like and what's pretty much the point of this conversation is that, um class dynamic in schools is really interesting and just like yes the privilege that some overall school communities have rather than others is really interesting and also the fact that like at your school as you're saying like people just have this almost like oblivious state of mind where they just don't even realize that um that they are are living and experiencing a better opportunity than other people. And it's just interesting how right. you can have a school like that where everyone is like that. And then you can go to a school like mine where it's completely different and everyone is. And and that's like there's there is another side of the spectrum where it's like in that place, someone who has a lot of privilege might feel weird in that place because everyone talks and acts and thinks the same around money and class and I yeah Yeah. I just think that's super interesting and it's a really interesting conversation to have especially from two different perspectives like ours for sure I'm really glad that we're having this conversation and this is a conversation that probably doesn't get talked about a lot especially among teenagers and stuff so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we're having this conversation I think that I want to validate your experience as well because being someone who is Asian American and a person of color in that with class comes white culture. I think we have to mention that Mm -hmm. with class, there Mm -hmm. always has to be this acknowledgement of white culture because that has always been what drives high class society. Even if there are badass people of color who are rich and living their best life amazing but everything's like capitalism is white culture generally so I think that like I do want to also validate your experience in the fact that like yes you have a, a, a privileged lifestyle but at the same time it's like you're kind of just being bombarded with white culture all the freaking time and on top of that being adopted by white people like, I don't want to speak to your experience. I want you to share, but I definitely want to, I do want to validate your experience as well. For sure. And I, this is why we're friends. Because <laughs> we listen to each other. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like Ruby was saying, being influenced by white culture every single day, I am not actually that connected with my culture, I'm going to be honest. Um, the, I look Asian, but I don't act Asian. So I'm pretty much like that token POC. So I'm like not Asian enough to hang out with Asian people, but I'm Asian just in a white group, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I don't really know how to describe it, but obviously I fit in pretty well because I act like a lot of people. I am able to dress like a lot of people, but that's because I'm influenced by mm-hmm. the white peers around me. And for a while... And still pretty much today, I want to fit in with those white peers, which kind of goes into the model minority myth where I'm just that happy-go-lucky Asian girl, yeah. um, which I'm not. <laughs> so I think your experience is more prominent than mine because I've, I'm around this environment like all the time. And so it's not something that I have to get used to. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a big change when I transferred to another private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what you were saying is just like, being influenced by white by white people and white culture and that's our next topic is like our different influences and how we've been influenced by different cultures and identities yeah that's a perfect segue because I think that while you were pretty influenced by white culture I had a very 
different experience. And so I, I would definitely say I've been influenced by Black culture a lot. Um, and not only that, but just like a, an array of different experiences and a, an array of different cultures. I've, yeah, I've just been around a lot of like Black community and it gets into this like touchy area and something that has been brought up a lot in like recent conversation around race and just like the Black Lives Matter movement is that there's a lot of like stealing of Black culture and like exploitation of Black culture. And that's been kind of, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but that it's been like something I've had to think about because growing up, I was just like around Black people a lot. I was just around, and not only Black people, just, like, different cultures in general. And so, for me, like, it didn't feel weird that I was kind of taking on some of these practices. And just, like, another thing that we have on this list is AAVE, African American Vernacular English. Um, It just was, it felt normal. It felt, it felt normal for me because I've, I just haven't known anything else and no one has told me differently. But, you know, in recent years, it's been like, okay, let me step back and let me assess how I'm behaving because that is definitely can be harmful and is harmful to a lot of like black communities. And yeah, so like transitioning into a private school for sixth grade was weird because I had felt very connected to the black community and connected to this diverse area. And then being introduced to a place where it is influenced by a lot of white culture that was just like super weird and honestly like it felt evasive to me it felt like a part of my identity was being kind of like stripped almost because obviously Mm. I wasn't spending Mm. my time in the community as much and definitely like becoming friends with a lot of white people and rich people and being in community with them more often. It's been something I've definitely had to think about. Um, I've had to be mindful and respectful of my Black friends and family and my Black community where I live, but I've received a lot of love from Black friends and uh, mentors. So, Yeah. And I want to go back to the point about AAVE because as I keep saying over and over again, I am with a lot of white people. Mm -hmm. And while it totally makes sense for Ruby to be influenced by people of color, especially black people and the way they talk and their culture, it doesn't make sense for the crowd that I'm around, which is mainly white people, to be be using AAVE. Like I can hear it in the hallways. It definitely does feel a little colonizer shit Mm. (laughs) like um ruby said she was really influenced by uh black culture and the people that i'm around are too but it's not the black culture that ruby is where she is actually in the community and in the neighborhood we are like my community and the people that i'm around are influenced by tiktok and youtube and social media and like fashion from black culture and stuff it definitely feels like colonizer shit yeah. going on yeah and i think the the difference is it's a perception and an exploitation of black culture as opposed yeah. to like authentic connection to the black community and a for respect sure. yeah. for that and i think it's just like they're not knowing like they walk around with these words and this fashion and these trends and they don't realize that all that has been almost like exploited or taken from people who started those traditions and trends which were black people um ruby you are the one who's like um reflecting on like oh should i be using this these words and how is this affecting the community mm-hmm. while I don't see any of that reflecting and thinking over and thinking twice around the people that I'm around. They just say it because it's it's natural. Just like racist people saying the N-word and it's natural. Like it it's a definite it's really annoying. And like they obviously they don't do their research. And I I do contribute to that and I definitely need to do more 
research about the clothing that I wear. At least I'm aware, I guess. Like the people that I'm around, you they acknowledge just, they it. Spit it. Yeah, they spit a a v e out like because it's in their daily vocab. They don't even think about how it's affecting mm-hmm. POCs. Yeah. Speaking further on that whole language concept and just like the language that we use, um, our next kind of point is code switching, um, which I guess is kind of more just like what I was thinking about. Um, just for a little bit of context, before this, we did sit down together and talked about things that we wanted to address and uh, speak about from our own experiences and one of the things that came up for us was code switching like I said before I've grown up in a community of people who have a very specific language um, not only using AAVE but also just like different languages even a lot of my peers in the south end are bilingual Um, so definitely Mm -hmm. transitioning from like that and then going into like a private school where it's very white and people talk differently and that was very interesting for me and I definitely found myself code switching a lot it was actually interesting to learn that code switching is even a thing um and my first experience Mm -hmm. learning about that was going into the private school where again people talk differently and you're like oh this is not what I'm used to and right and Mm -hmm. then kind of feeling like oh okay I'm gonna talk like them now and talk differently than I do like at home or with my friends from Rainier Beach. That's a whole thing that I feel like people definitely do. And I think the roots behind that, especially in the black community, is the fact that white people and privileged people tend to be intimidated by by how black people talk or how people of color talk or accents, or anything that isn't proper, quote-unquote, proper English. Um, And so code code switching Mm -hmm. is definitely something to talk about. Do you have any thoughts on that, Lucy? Um, I definitely can't speak to it as much as you can, because, like I say over and over again, like, I'm around a ton of white people, and I'm around this privileged environment, and I've grown up Mm -hmm. with it. When I was adopted when I was two by two white people, guys that's exactly when it started and I've been pretty used to it my whole entire life so no I can't really talk to it as much as you but definitely when I'm around like my super wealthy friends and their parents who are very intimidating I definitely Mm -hmm. feel like I have to talk like very like nicer and that's obviously not like what you have to do or what you feel like you have to do but it is kind of like why is this our culture? Like, why do we have to feel like we have to be extra polite to super wealthy people when we are both human, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that touches on, like, the elitist concept. For sure. About how in wealthy communities and in the high-class society, it's just generally known that you talk with proper manner, you, you, you know... Yeah, it's part of the rich lifestyle is to have etiquette or whatever, and and I think that's something that's been ingrained in our culture for centuries. Um, and language specifically, proper English, that's a show of wealth, and that's always been a show of wealth. Is how do you talk? And you know, on the phone, if you just heard someone's voice, you'd probably get judged based on how you sound. If you talk with proper English, people might respect you more. And that whole concept mm-hmm. is super fucked up, you know? Yep, you're right. That's just, it's yep. been, it has been such an interesting thing, especially, like, just having my own experience with that. Because, you know, I sort of knew that yeah. was a thing, but then just to, like, experience it yourself. And I want to know, like... I am not the prime example of, oh, having to code switch so much. Like, again, I also have proximity to whiteness. So I've adapted to white white culture as well. Yeah. And speaking back to um, that you do and have been influenced by white culture, like, do you want to speak on, like, how you feel about being mixed and, like, what happened at school because of that? Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so what I when I was thinking about this topic, I wanted to kind of intro it by saying that me and and Lucy both have kind of weird relationships with whiteness. Yeah. Um, as you've heard already, Lucy is adopted by white people. She lives in a white community, but she's Asian. And my experience being that I'm half white, my mom's white. Um, I have white family as well as Korean family. I'm also Korean. Yeah, that's so I wanted to intro it by saying that, like, not only do we have like kind of interesting experiences just like with class and stuff, but we also have similar experiences with like race and that whole thing. Yeah. But speaking yeah. to being mixed, especially and specifically being mixed with white, it's been something that I definitely think about and talk about a lot and tr- and I am still processing and working through and um, becoming more comfortable in my identity because being a part of a diverse community where everyone is everyone is a person of color there are hardly any white people at least where I went to school and where I grew up and it's also important to note that like the south end is going through gentrification now as well and that's a whole different conversation yeah. but it was almost kind of frowned upon to be white and not in like a not in an obvious way obviously you weren't you weren't like discriminated against if you were white but it's definitely something that people notice and talk about it's at least in my experience i would say okay well when i was younger it wasn't a th- it wasn't really a thing like no one really thought about race no one really thought about it there were so many different cultures at my school that like it it wasn't really a thing because it's like there wasn't a dominant race but I noticed that, like, as people get older, and this is a thing in a lot of, like, diverse schools and even in non-diverse schools where it's just, like, people will kind of mm-hmm. almost migrate to their own race and be in friend groups with, like, their own race. And there's oh, I get, I hardly there's hardly any mixing of, of, and, you know, that's not, that's just a generalization. Like, generally, the Asian kids would hang out together the black kids would hang out together. When I went back to middle school in my community after being at private school in, in sixth grade, I definitely, again, it was a an adjustment because I had been around a lot of like different dynamics, but I had noticed that all the Asian kids would hang out with each other. And so that's who I fell in with. I would just hang out with the Asian kids and there wasn't like a white group. So I just kind of went with the Asian kids, even though I was like half white. And at first, no one really cared or noticed. And I wasn't even that aware. But slowly, Uh people definitely started treating me kind of weird because I was half white. Like um, in my friend group, people would call me white girl. um, And they and like my mom makes my lunches every day. And so they'd, they'd say I have a white girl lunch and like that was just a whole thing I was just like the half white girl which feels so weird to say because it's like in normal society it's like that's not the case at all you're not discriminated against because you're white but in my unique experience it's like you're you're like discriminated against if you're white and that again is super weird to say but that's what happened and I was left feeling like I wasn't Asian enough to be in that group and almost made me feel ashamed of my whiteness. Mm. And I feel like generally I've always been a little ashamed of my whiteness. I don't know why. I think it's just because I knew how effed up white culture is and how. Oh, um, yeah. And like the history of just like white people is super effed up in general from a from a liberal from a from a, you know, from my standpoint. Yeah, I know. Um, but we're not even from my standpoint. That's just the truth, and people are ignorant. But, but that's beside <laughs> yeah. the point. Ignorant white people. Um, but it almost left me feeling. And here's our next topic. Uh, kind of like an imposter, and that whole concept of imposter syndrome, and in this situation, feeling like I was not 
valid enough to be a part of the Asian group. Yeah, like I'm, I don't feel Asian enough to be with the Asian people, which we will get back onto when we talk about affinity groups. But then mm-hmm. I also feel like I'm just that one POC with the white kids. So yeah, I definitely, I obviously don't go with what you go through, but I can definitely understand. We talked a lot about ourselves and how we feel, and we can definitely talk more about that um, in our next couple of topics. But we also wanted to touch on the education system that our two schools experience and go through. And mm-hmm. what's the difference? How do we feel? Blah, 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 blah. Um, do you want to start? Sure. Okay, so a lot of education systems and our curriculum is pretty white and pretty male dominant and when we do learn about people of color in history it's always slavery or the chinese exclusion act or how columbus took over native people's land like it's not Mm -hmm. happy it's not good things we never hear of we always hear of trauma and we never hear of triumphs And I think that Hmm. is an issue. To touch on what you're saying, generally speaking, it's the same, it's the same stories. It's the same three handful, it's the same handful of stories every history class. We always talk about, again, like you said, we always talk about slavery. We always talk about internment camps. Like, it's Mm -hmm. always like, and yes, it is important to highlight the traumas that, that we've faced. But at the same time, it's like, while while doing that, we also gratify presidents in our history classes. We also gratify, yeah. we gratify George Washington and all the other effed up white presidents and white leaders of our country. And so while, yes, it's important to talk about slavery, it's never in the correct way. And, and it's exactly. never, exactly. it never comes along with good things that have happened cool people in history yeah and the leaders of our country that have made things better and i think touching back onto like the leaders and presidents and stuff we always hear about white presidents and uh white leaders like columbus and we and the curriculum and education system sees them as heroes Mm. and good people but then for when we talk about like people of color in history first of all we don't um Mm. the only person of color that i know really know of that we learn about in school is martin luther king jr who is an amazing figure but his story always comes along with oh they were like in the streets and they were like fighting and they were they were like looting and stuff like it always comes with that Mm -hmm. like when we talk about george washington or something it never his story never comes with oh he had slaves and literally his teeth were slaves teeth like mm. it was always like oh he was such a good guy and look at what he signed and blah blah yeah. blah yeah like i want to learn about more people of color in history and it's always the same story like oh we learn about this so we don't repeat history but history is literally repeating we mm-hmm. and I, one more thing that i want to touch on is that like we never talk about like really what's happening now and what's happening today to people of color and we don't Mm -hmm. talk about like how to move forward we mainly talk about again history and what happened in the past and i want to talk about how can we move forward with the events that are happening for example like the black lives matter protests it got mentioned in school yeah because my school is in the heart of seattle where Chaz or chop was mm-hmm. and we yeah we mentioned it and we literally like the school got boarded up but we barely talked about it really we didn't talk about like how we were feeling about it and how the people of color and students of color in my community and school were feeling mm-hmm. and we didn't really give them a safe space because it's predominantly white and yeah, yeah. and the, yeah the school system is based off of white people because white people were the ones going to school in like the 1400s or whatever not people of color and so the education system has been built for white people yeah not for pocs this is being addressed i think in small subtle ways 
we are slowly starting to unravel all the BS that our school systems have put in place for our education. For sure, yeah. And that's, that's you know, cool to mention um, and important to mention. But I, I also think, like, it just started. It Like, we just, yeah. in, like, the last few years, have just started to, like, dismantle this. And that's crazy to me that, like, it took this long after literally centuries of movements and 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 protests that like just now we're starting to find these we're starting to find these these really messed up things in our system another thing that we have on this list is private school curriculums versus diverse school curriculums and it's it's definitely interest an interesting conversation to hear like Lucy talk about her school and then like I'm sure it's interesting when you hear about some of the stuff I learn about but like we kind of wanted to share mm-hmm. that with you because it is like it's interesting we've had like like we've mentioned many times in this episode we've had very different school experiences and with that comes very different curriculums very different ways of teaching ways of learning and while yes it is important to acknowledge my school is very underfunded there are a lot of problems in my school for sure uh but what i would like to to highlight and something that has been unique for me is that throughout my whole schooling experience my teachers have always tried really hard to change the narrative and teach in a way that highlights our experiences. Being part of a community that is so diverse, I think that my teachers didn't see the point in teaching this like white history to us when like we're all people of color. And so I I think I'm definitely appreciative of the schools that I grew up in. Like okay, and it, it was not perfect. Um I didn't go to this amazing, you know, forward-thinking progressive school. But I did have a lot of teachers who were like listen, we're going to talk about like cool people in history and we're going to talk about the Native American experience. And there was this one family who would come in and tell stories of their experiences in, in their tribe and and teach us about their culture. I hear I hear from kids like, oh, we don't we don't learn about anything but just like glorifying white people. And and I would say, like, that's really sad. And. I, in a way, can't really relate to that because not all my teachers, but a lot of my teachers were were people of color and a lot of my teachers wanted to make sure they were highlighting stories that weren't told. And I, I recognize fully that that is a huge issue that needs to be solved and we need to dismantle the racist systems in our educational system. But yeah, it is, it is kind of hard for me to relate sometimes. Yeah, I feel like that my experience is the opposite because my curriculum is the complete opposite of Ruby's because yeah my whole entire like history and stuff is based off of white men and them in power and mm-hmm. yeah and I'm glad that we're seeing change now and a lot of I know a couple students who are talking to the current history dude (laughs) the head of the history department at my school about how they feel which i'm really really glad but the fact that we have to do that like oh come on oh geez and i also wanted to mention like the casual racism that happens in schools and by teachers for example i've kind of several examples but there was this, and it's not even from my school. So I was in Leavenworth with um, some of my Asian friends who don't go to my school. And we were, like, uh, in the hot tub. <laughs> and then these two, it was, like, a shared hot tub. I know, gross, right? Like, after COVID, I would never do that. But anyways, um, in the shared hot tub, there were two white teachers. Um, and they were, like, they were, they were a couple and they were on a date or whatever. And then... He saw us and he was like, oh, so like, do your parents want you to get good grades? And we were like, uh, no, we're adopted. He was like, oh, okay. So are you like really good at math? And then we were like, 
no, not really. Like we ha- we're, we have average grades. Like we're not like that. And it was, but and just the fact that that happened, like that was, and he was a teacher too. Like imagine mm-hmm. what he's doing to the other kids of color in his class. Like, geez. Yeah. But then the most recent incident that happened was this TED talk that was presented by one of my teachers and the class is called innovations where we talk about success and failure and how to be a better person and blah 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 and it's really a bullshit class that literally doesn't matter and I wish we didn't take it but we do one of the videos that my teacher showed was a TED talk by Barbara Corcoran (laughs) Barbara Corcoran uh, who is or was on Shark Tank and it was uh she was talking about rethinking failure and how she's so successful even though i'm Mm. pretty sure she's in debt right now (laughs) um in the ted talk it has her making fun of chinese women's accents not once not twice but three times i'm pretty Mm. sure in the video to teach how to sell real estate the only subject i knew at the learning annex which was part of nyu at that time and I taught for 12 weeks, and as luck would have it, as I always found recovering from a failure, the very first night in class, a short Asian woman walks up to me and she says, Babwa, you know how much money I make? I'm like, what? You know how much money I make? And it was, do you know how much money I make? And she proceeded to tell me she made $250,000 in six months. She rumbles into my office, she's very put together woman. Her hair was a mess, her mascara was smeared, like somebody had beat her up. And what do you think she said? Babwa, I exhausted. I up all night. I get 168 new listings. Okay, and that was just like, that was the mm, third time that she made fun of and imitated a Chinese woman's accent. And I was like, first of all, mm-hmm. why is this being showed in the class? And I talked about this video with some other students that were also in the class last trimester. And they said, oh, yeah. He showed that to us, too. Mm. And no one said anything? So after class, I was like, Tom, which is his name, that video was really offensive. And keep in mind that it's only me and one other girl who is students of color in the class. And so we both went up to him and was like, that was really offensive. You know how many other TED Talk videos about failure and success there are out Mm. there? And you choose the one that has racism? The part that annoys me the most was that we use a software called Schoology to submit our assignments, to see our schedules, blah, blah, blah. On the Schoology assignment where we watched the video, he said, "Um, please be patient with Barbara's potential racial insensitivity. I mean, I was like, Mm. bitch, I am not going to be patient with any type of of racism. Yeah, he was literally aware of it. And before, literally before he pressed play, he was like, oh, yeah, and there's some racist content. Play. I'm like, how are you doing this right now? Like, it's 2021. We're where Asian Americans and Asian people and people of Asian descent are literally being attacked in the streets right now. And you are pressing play on a racist video that is racist towards asians how how is this happening in 2021 in my very liberal seattle area Hmm? so i'm just saying like and right and i'm i and i feel for your experience a lot and i feel like ooh, it would like i don't think it it would not go over well if if that happened in my school but here's where i think that we should highlight the differences between our schools and between the systems in our schools because First of all, if a, if a white teacher had played that video at my school where there are way more people of color, the teacher is definitely thinking differently at your school where, it, where you're surrounded by white people. Whereas for my school, that the teacher is surrounded by people of color, kids of color. So, and I, if speaking for my teachers, I would say they would even go as far as to choose someone of a, of a, of a different background why choose an old white lady to talk about fame and and whatever like 
I I would I would Seriously. say that Seriously. Mm-hmm. I would say that in my school and what I'm what I hope that teachers around the Seattle area will start doing is start highlighting the black the BIPOC experience more in your curriculum because yes totally Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. could have chosen a totally different video don't choose the one racist white lady to teach you about anything (laughs) yeah and that's the thing where I think that I'm really grateful for my teachers who try and choose the content that we learn in class about to highlight the black and BIPOC experience more often and I think that like it's also the fact that at your school and I'm sorry to say this but like you don't have a lot of uh, a lot of people of color who are advocating for that that community at your school, right? Like like you said, right? And we don't have teachers of color either. Exactly, and and so you one don't have people in in power at the school, and two don't have a huge community of people who are like rallying against teachers, and and I think that the difference is at my school we hold our white teachers accountable and we advocate for more black teachers to be hired. People of color are not hired to be teachers in, in our schools and that affects things greatly. And that's why it's sad because teachers are getting away with white teachers are getting away with that kind of stuff more often because there are not POCs and BIPOC people in power in the school systems exactly and also if tom my teacher was at your school he probably wouldn't even play the video in the first place the only teacher that we told was the one of the only faculty of color who also happens to be the assistant head of school which is good she has a place in power Mm. but there's only like one a couple faculty that Mm -hmm. are also people of color and we didn't feel really comfortable talking about it with a white person. Like, the yeah. the deed was done by a white person. <laughs> like, we are in very opposite environments. And I am pretty jealous because <laughs> I'm glad that you don't have to deal with the shit that students of color in my area have to go through. But it's also, like, seriously. Like, it's 2021. It just speaks to the fact that, like, Depending on what community and what environment you're in and what school you go to, your experience can be drastically different. And that's why, like, we get people who are ignorant and racist and don't understand what we're fighting for, who just, like, are super oblivious. Just don't even think it's wrong. Because it's like, your education can be totally different than the next person. And I do want to say, like, I think that there are definitely things that... Mm -hmm. We still need to work on in our public schools, but I I definitely think it's so interesting how teachers can get away with stuff like that in schools that are predominantly white. Yeah, and just how different the curriculums are. Okay, so our last and final point that we're just going to talk about are affinity groups. If you don't know what an affinity group is, it's pretty much a space where people who of minority can be together in a safe environment. For example, I am in a APIA, Asian American Pacific Islander affinity group, where uh, the group holds only people who are Asian so we can share our experiences and talk about what's going on mm-hmm. in today's society. That being said, I am Asian. I look Asian. And I don't really have connection to my Asian culture which is kind of why I wanted to talk about it because I feel like a lot of adoptees have the same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, at my old middle school, actually at SGS, there was an adoption affinity. There was only like four people in it, which is actually pretty good. I mean, the school was pretty small, but it wasn't run by an actual adoptee. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's a whole different story. Um, let's just keep going on track. As I was saying, I feel like I would connect more with an adoption affinity group than my actual APIA affinity group and that's because i'm not actually connected to api culture and i just look asian Mm. and i am asian i identify as asian and i love being asian but i'm not connected with the culture so that's why i feel like i'm a little i feel left out really i can't really relate to the people in my affinity group because i don't have the same experiences Mm. i don't speak chinese to my parents at home i don't eat really authentic chinese food on a daily basis, I go out and have takeout. Like, I and think- I, they try, but 
I, <laughs> it's just not the same. I think that a big part, and I can also sort of speak to this because I've been a part of uh, affinity groups when I was at SGS, but I think a, a big part of what what Asian people would call their identity is like family, food, language. Right. When we talk about affinity groups, what brings those groups together is shared experience and shared knowledge of experience. Well, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Uh, the affinity group is really about shared experiences, the culture, the food, the families. And I don't have any of that. All mm-hmm. I have is that I look Asian and I like Asian snacks. <laughs> like, yeah. that's about it. And while I love being a part of that community, I actually founded our API community, I didn't actually think about the side effects <laughs> yeah. that, uh, it's kind of weird because it's like, oh, our AVIA affinity group was founded by an Asian adoptee who has white parents and doesn't have, is not really connected to the culture, mm. but whatever, you know, um, but I'm, I actually, I'm glad, I'm really glad that I founded it and created it and created that space because it, it, there were a lot of positive impacts and especially during the and still talking about the um stop asian hate and the hate crimes that have been happening it's been a really good space for uh for the members to talk about it and reflect and i think that's really really good just the Mm -hmm. fact that i and don't feel as connected yeah yeah it kind of sucks i would say i I can relate to that feeling of, like, not totally understanding um, because, like, a lot of my Asian friends and, like, when I'm in community with them, not even just in affinity groups, but, like, when I'm in community with Asian people, a lot of them are full Asian, have Asian parents, grow up in an Asian household, and while, yes, I have an Asian dad, mm-hmm. even he's kind of, like, he's not traditional at all, and... And, of course, my mom is white, and so, like, just being in a mixed household, that's also, like, been a barrier to connect with Asian culture and Asian community because it's, like, I don't have the traditional Asian home life where I don't eat Korean food every night. I don't speak Korean, um, you know, I don't, I do, I mean, I practice Asian customs and some Asian culture but it's like even like my parents parenting style is different from traditional Asian parenting style like in Korea or even in like even like how my dad was raised by his immigrant parents like it's different than how I am raised so yeah in that way I've definitely kind of what Lucy was saying with the adoption affinity they there was also a mixed affinity for mixed kids at SGS and so Kind of like what you were saying about feeling more comfortable in the adoptee space. I felt more comfortable in the mixed space because mixed kids have a unique experience and and there's more understanding there than um, than being in like an Asian affinity. And I think that like people in those clubs are totally open. They're totally like you don't have to have a perfect Asian experience to be a part of the community. But I think just, like, you think to yourself and you have all these feelings and doubts about, like, oh, am I really welcomed here? Am I really allowed to be in this space? And, like, and that's, of course, the worst of it. Obviously, I'm not going around thinking, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not you know, valid enough. But it is that, like, <laughs> with affinity groups and, like, clubs where it's, like, specifically for Asian people, it's a soft spot. It, it's a tender area for me and I'm sure for you as well Lucy yeah I'm glad that we can relate and I think that's what really this is how we got really closer during the pandemic because we actually started talking about this we actually started mm-hmm. to acknowledge how we were both feeling and I think that's a good place to end off because like in the, at the end of the day we are besties <laughs> and, yes and I think that these conversations need to actually happen with friends yeah and even though we do have our ups and downs like at the end of the day we are good friends and i'm glad that we have this conversation and that at least my 
curriculum and education system that I'm around is pretty fucked up and I'm glad that we're seeing change there's obviously a long way to go I would just say like in closing kind of like what you were saying I'm I'm appreciative of, of the fact that like I get this perspective because some people live in their own bubble where it's like they don't have diverse a diverse community of friends not like racially but like you know economically and other like having a friend like you or and even being able to experience a different system a different way of living has been super informational and 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 like interesting for me and I'm grateful for our friendship because like it it helps I think both of us kind of get a aside for like another person's experience who's drastically different than ours being able to share that with each other and share that with all of you being able to put that out in the world just generally (laughs) being able to have this podcast where we can just like vent about how we're feeling that's like super special and something that I'm very grateful for yeah and even if literally no one listens to this like it's It's still fun for us us. and I think that's like it's so fun and we we get deep we also have fun and yeah I don't know why we're doing this whole reflection but I mean yeah (sighs) This is yeah. good. I feel like at, at the end of every episode, we, we do a little reflection of like, yeah, this is good for us. Our it's emotional healthy. journey. It definitely yeah. is. It's like therapy for us. But anyways, we just want to say thank you for being here. We love you. We appreciate you. You are valid. And if you want to talk to us about your experiences anonymously or uh, not anonymously, <laughs> <laughs> then then you can totally contact us. I have a lot of time on my hands and I will totally read your DMs or emails. Totally. Remember the Instagram is we the teens podcast or we the teens podcast at gmail.com. We are here for you. We love you. Yeah. Drink some water. Have an amazing day. Bye. Bye.